Hello and welcome back or welcome to the Riley Breakfield Show. I am your host, Riley Breakfield, also known as Titties TM on Twitter, Break Breakfield Riley or Riley Breakfield on Instagram and TikTok. Having some problems with my mic or my freaking camera here. It keeps wanting to tilt and flip over. Anyways, welcome to the show. If you haven't been here before, if you have, welcome back. Happy to have you here as always. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, share with your friends, family, whatever you gotta do. Help this blow up. I'll appreciate you till the end of my days. But today's show, a couple little news topics, quite a few things been going on today. We'll hit those. Then are going to transition into one love, one hate, and then only one college football game this week. You know, i got to pretty much rebrand my whole show. I don't know. I don't even know what I want for my show at this point. I just want to talk sports, talk shit, talk politics, laugh a little, have a good time. That's what this show's all about. So whatever I talk about, either tune in or don't. I don't know because, or tell me. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter. Tell me what you want me to hear me talk about. For something I talked about in the past, tell me you want to talk about it more. I will do anything. I will talk about anything and everything just because I love to talk, and that's just who I am. But one love, one hate. Then we're talking a little Navy versus Army game. Not much to talk there. Five favorite games of the NFL weekend. We'll probably keep that up you know, through the NFL season and the playoffs and whatnot. And then finishing off the show with a little bit of college basketball preview. Um, you know, Just kind of a couple teams that I like. You know, where I think they'll be good down the stretch, just stuff like that. So... Make sure to stick around for that if you're a college basketball fan. But <clears throat> let's get into today's show. Let's just start it off right here. Massive news today. Brittany Griner was announced to be coming home. Um, the trade was done for the Merchant of Death, which if you don't know what Merchant means, that means seller. So he's a seller of death. This guy, um, he was arrested because he was trying to give Guns to Colombian terrorists that were targeted at either killing U.S. citizens or, you know, army officials. I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I didn't look it up. I couldn't remember either. So I knew it was one or the other. But he that's how he was arrested. You know, we've had him in custody for a while. Brittany Griner, she was arrested for bringing hemp or hash oil, you know, a vape, stuff like that into Russia, which is illegal on illegal in Russia. Everyone, I mean, I don't know how she didn't know that. She's been playing professional basketball there since 2014. So, I don't know what she was thinking, I guess. And, you know, she was cleared medically for it in Phoenix, <clears throat> but she, obviously you can't take it there. So, I don't know why she didn't try to check her bases before. You know, maybe it's just that celebrity, you know, it's okay, I'm a celebrity, that kind of thing. But most people, a lot of people were kind of upset about it because um, U.S. Marine Paul Hellman, I believe is how you say his name, um, he was not a part of the deal you know, it's it's come out. Everyone, you know, some people think that people are upset because it was Brittany Griner that was chosen, and not you know both the Marine and her. When in reality, I think people are upset because we got used and abused and t taken out back and beat the shit out. Like, I mean, to me, what this shows is a lack of fucking leadership within the United States. You gave back a man who wanted to kill Americans, who everyone in their goddamn fucking mind knows the only reason Russia wanted him back is to go sell more guns to terrorists, sell more guns to whoever they want it to be. That's the only reason Russia wanted him back. And if you think otherwise, you're probably wrong. And you're probably not thinking with a head on your shoulders. How are we going to trade a guy that wanted to kill U.S. people at one point for a basic celebrity? And see, the issue with the Marine is that Russia thinks that he's a spy. To me, a spy for a convicted arms dealer Almost the same. I'd say the arms dealer is a little bit higher. But the point is, there's a lack of leadership within the United States. There's reports saying that it was either one or the other. The 
fuck there is, man. We're the United States of America. Joe Biden, grab your fucking balls. Whoever else made this decision, grab your fucking balls. Grab your vagina, whatever it is, and man up. Women up, or whatever you want it to be called. There's absolutely zero zero reason that we should have negotiated with Russia on this. We're the United States of America. We have the biggest military force throughout the throughout the entire world. We're the United States of America. And you're going to swap a convicted arms dealer who wanted to kill U.S. citizens for a professional basketball player who's too dumb to learn how to fucking read? She knows that she knew it was illegal before she even did it. You know damn well she did. We're going to give that up when we have another guy there? It's, it, it's, a, it's a great of an F for this trade. This trade was so fucking bad. It's worse than the fucking A.J. Brown trade, man. This guy wanted to kill people. American citizens. And he's going to do it again. He's going to sell guns again to somebody that wants our people dead. So you get all you get back in return is a professional basketball player? Nah, man, that's fucked. A lack of leadership within the United States, within the White House. Whoever, whoever ultimately made this decision... You suck at your job, and you should probably quit. But I'm done ranting about that. Talk about other stuff. We already talked about how bad the A.J. Brown trade was. John Robinson just gets fired this week as the GM of the Titans. Many people are speculating it's because of that trade. You know, Eagles came into town, and he absolutely torched the Titans. The only argument I have to say with the fact that A.J. Brown, you know, the trade may look bad on paper. It's a little different quarterback situation. Jalen Hurts has really emerged as a starting quarterback in the NFL this year. I mean, he's top five, top ten guy in the MVP conversation. He can do it with his legs. He can do it with his arm. Whereas in Tennessee, you know, it's a run-first offense. It, it always has been. Since Derrick Henry's been there, it's been a run-first. Since Chris Johnson was there, it was a run-first. Eddie George, run-first. The Titans franchise and foundation is pretty much built on being a run-first football team. That's just who they are. So, you know, I don't look at the A.J. Brown trade as a bad trade. Titans get, got a couple picks out of it. They drafted another young wide receiver when they probably couldn't even pay A.J. in the first place. They don't also have the offense that, in my opinion, is particularly built perfect for A.J. Brown to succeed like he is with the Eagles. But I don't know. John Robinson's fired, so we'll see what happens with the Titans now, see if there's a, a, new, a new kind of change in how they play football. I doubt it. You know, I'm currently, I am currently watching this Raiders-Rams game here. Baker Mayfield, um, I was in the shower when it started. Is he starting? I guess we'll see. We got offense coming up here. Raiders just went up 10 nothing, but, you know, Rams picked up Baker Mayfield. They don't have a quarterback. Matt Stafford's career could be over. Sounds like a spinal issue, you know, kind of a scary deal there for him. So who knows how long he plays. Rams might need a bridge guy to get through the next couple of years, and as talented as that roster is and has been in the past, I don't see why it can't be done. Okay, so Baker is starting, dude. Hell yeah. Fucking let's go, Baker, dude. I'm one of the biggest Baker Mayfield fans in the world. I think he fits in well with the Rams offense, you know. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for him. Hopefully he can get it going. Hopefully he sticks around in Los Angeles. That'd be cool. That'd be cool for him. A couple of little college football things here. Um... Jeff Brom, head coach at Purdue, you know, he's had a, quite a few good years there. Louisville job opened up. He uh, obviously is all, alma mater there, so, you know, kind of going back home for him. A lot of talk about whether this is a, a linear job move or a downgrade. In my opinion, it's an upgrade. You look at the state of the Big Ten. The Big Ten was horrible this year. One of the worst, in my opinion, the worst Power Five conference there was. Top to bottom, the competition just wasn't there compared to every other league. I just didn't see it. For a long time now, the Big Ten's really been built around Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. The divisions are going to go away. 
the odds Purdue is competitive, you know, up there with those three teams, or a Nebraska who slips up, or Wisconsin with with you know Luke Fickle or Iowa if they figure things out, you know, just the teams in the Big Ten. Purdue's still a bottom tier program, and it it's going to take a lot more years of work for Jeff Brom to get him up there, in my opinion, to be as competitive as those schools. Yes, I mean he's had amazing NFL talent. I mean George Karloftis, you know, he was a first round pick last year. Tons of talent, but in my opinion, it's a lot easier for Louisville to go to the ACC and have a chance to actually win and be successful and make the playoff because it's been, it, I mean, Louisville's been a team since the early 2000s that's been very competitive. I mean, they've been in, when they're in the Big East, they were one of the better programs. I mean, they've been pretty good throughout their time in the ACC. So I think it's a better move. The ACC, you know, every now and then it's really competitive, but most of the years it's pretty, pretty average. You know, a couple teams step up, a couple teams. Don't look as good. So I think for Jeff Brom, it is the smart move. You know, go back to your alma mater for one, but two, I think his chances of making the playoff are a lot, a lot higher at Louisville than Purdue. And then uh, another piece of college football news this over this past couple days, Virginia was granted by the NCAA. Every member of the Virginia football team was granted an extra year of eligibility because they had to cancel their last two games after the tragic death of their teammates. You know, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out for them, you know, especially a guy like Brennan Armstrong who just hit the transfer portal. Pretty solid quarterback, just had a really bad year at Virginia. So we'll see. You know, two games, eh, you know, I don't I don't think he deserve a whole extra year of collegiate football, but I well-deserved for those guys, you know, another, more years to be able to kind of bring some pride and joy to, you know, honor your teammates' lives in a sense too. So I think it's kind of – I think it's a pretty cool move. Baseball news, Aaron Judge is heading back to the Yankees after the false report that he was going to the San Francisco Giants. You know, that was an absolute blunder. But he's going back to the Yankees. You know, he's going to be there another nine years, not winning championships. So, love that. Xander Bogarts, though, he's heading to the Padres, making the Padres an even fucking better fucking baseball club. I mean, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto. Four extremely talented young baseball players all on the same team. Yeah, the Padres, dude, if they don't want to chip in the next couple of years, they're just a sad franchise then. Just an absolute garbage, garbage, garbage franchise, if that's the case. Some cool little Hollywood news here. Um, saw today, Jackie Chan has confirmed that Rush Hour 4 is coming. Love Rush Hour. Absolute one of the best cop comedy movies there are. All three of them are good, so excited to see another one. Probably going to have to go check that one out in theaters. Moving back to a little bit of Europe talk here. The runway at the Munich airport was shut down today because two climate change activists decided to glue themselves to the tarmac so planes couldn't take off. You know what would have been the absolute best move in this case this case right here? Is you just you let leave them. You don't even do nothing to them. They glue themselves to the tarmac and they just sit out there and they burn themselves to death. Like what else are you gonna do? Like this shit's getting ridiculous, man. These climate change people, these animal rights activists, man. At least talk about something people care about and then maybe you're you know, your all this crazy shit that you do actually means something. But whatever. I know on Tuesday, you know, I, I had talked about the Twitter files and how there was supposed to be another one, and it ended up not being released yet. And um, the the guy that dropped the first set of Twitter files on Twitter, Matt 
Tabby, I think is how you say his name. Um, he tweeted out why the second installment hasn't come out yet. Um, Jim Baker, a former FBI agent and part of their general counsel member, he um, serves as the served as the same thing at Twitter. He was the deputy in charge of general counsel. Came 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 to be that he was vetting everything that was going through. He wasn't. He was trying to basically censor or suppress this information. Once Elon found out, he obviously let the guy go. Um, but, you know, it just shows more and more some shady shit was going on at Twitter. And I hope that we kind of figure out exactly what all has been happening, kind of figure out and get rid of the collusion within our country. So it excites me. I love it. I can't wait for the next installment to come out. Every time they come out, I'll probably talk about them. So get for, get look get look forward to it. I don't know. Get look forward to it. How about that? Get look forward to it. Look forward to it is what I really mean to say. God, man. So fucking. I say some stupid shit inside my head sometimes. I really do. But this for this week, it's time for One Love, One Hate. One Love, the thing I'm loving on right now, going to talk about it here in a little bit, college basketball. I, as a human being, as a person, as a young boy, as a, a young adult, as a young man, as a man today, as a married man, I have always, 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 always loved college sports a thousand times more than professional ones. To me, the competition just means more. Everything about it, you know, the competition, you know, these kids are fighting to get to the next level. The playing field's a little bit more level. You don't have, you know, you see more teams that are, are capable of winning and pulling off upsets and stuff like that. So I'm loving on college basketball this week. You know, I'm going to talk about it here in a little bit, but I'm excited to get kind of more into college basketball again this year. You know, I kind of go up and down with college basketball. Some years I'm super into it. Some years I'm really I'm like, oh, shoot, college basketball. You know, this year I really want to get back, back, back more get back into it oh my god get back into it you know kind of hopefully make it a part of my show you know once college football season's over i can move into college basketball give some gambling advice there that's ultimately what i'm looking for you know i'm probably gonna have a couple college basketball picks in the cleavage report this weekend so that'll be fun but love you college basketball can't wait to watch you until april when north carolina hangs the banner okay this week i'm hating on sticking in the college sport world i'm hating on people that don't know what's best for college football. Twelve team playoff is best for college football. It's going to create so many, so many more teams that are going to be, you know, a top twenty, top twenty five program, and it's everything's going to mean more. It's not, you know, you're not going to be fighting for four spots. You're going to be fighting for twelve. Competition's going to get better, better. You know, the, these five star athletes aren't going to start going to one place because they're going to start spreading out because they know they're going to have a chance to win elsewhere and win now. It plays into the transfer portal. If you don't like the transfer portal get used to it because it's not going anywhere some of these kids made the wrong choice some of these kids as coaches left they're they should be allowed to transfer and go find their new home and feel where they fit best it's just like a job these are young men that are 18 19 20 21 22 23 however old that they're making decisions that are business decisions for themselves i don't remember who it was but somebody was talking about it perfectly that it's like it's a it's a job you know when a new when a new coach comes in you don't know you know if your spot's there, if you get a new boss, you don't know if your spot's there. So everything about college football is changing for the better. It's changing for these young athletes. It's going to make their life better. They're not going to make one bad choice and have them follow them for the rest of their life. So if you don't, if you're not on board with what's going on in college football, just stop watching. And then another thing with like the bowl games and stuff, the guys opting out and preparing for the NFL draft as they should. Ain't no fucking point in sticking out. 
for one game that doesn't mean anything to, to, to hardly anyone. Maybe a couple fans here and there. That's about it. So if you're not on board with what's happening in college football, you might as well stop watching now because things are changing, and in my opinion, they're changing for the better. But that's just me, you know? I don't know. i got to stop saying that. i just got to stop saying that it's just my opinion. i just got to be like, this is how it is, you know? And then more people will be like, this motherfucker is spitting. So just one quick little note here about the Navy versus Army game. If you don't know, now you know. Just bet the under. The under hits at an astronomically crazy rate. It hits every time. I couldn't find the one, but I know there was somebody that's like, if you bet $100 on the under over the past 10, 15, 10 or 15 years, you, know, you bet $100 every game, you have over $100,000 right now. So I'm like, shit, should I start betting the under? Might as well. But bet the under. I'll bet the under. Bet the under. Navy versus Army. Going to be a fun game. Going to be grounded pound, just how we like it. You know, so I'm excited. That should be a, that should be a good game to to fill our Saturday with nothing else really going on. Now for my top five NFL games of Z Week. First one that tickles my pickle: Jets versus Bills. Jets really, really need to get this win. You know, with coming off their loss to the Vikings last week, trying to stay in the playoff picture. You know, only sitting at seven wins. They don't have like a ten-win team right now, where it's almost like. And guarantee they're going to get in. They're still fighting. Still, the AFC is still very tough. They really need this win, but I, I really don't think they're going to get it. The Bills, to me, are just better, obviously. But, I mean, I think Bills are just trending in the right direction. You know, the, those teams that are real contenders are going to turn it on right now this time of the year. Not going to have a lot of slip-ups. I don't think that happens for the Bills. The line set at 9.5. I'm taking it. I think Bills at nine and, minus 9.5 is, is good but bad at the same time. I could see the Jets somehow keeping it close, but... I'm just feeling a lot of momentum from the Bills here right now. I think they can get the job done and take care of business. Another interdivision game that's very important this week, Vikings versus Lions. The Lions are currently favored over the Vikings. The Vikings obviously have won a lot of one-score games this year. You know, I, I like an explosion of points. I, I'll probably bet the over on this one as well. Just both offenses you know, have played good. Both defensives have been shaky throughout the year. So I'm expecting some points here. You know, the Lions are super hot right now. They've won four out of their last five. I think that's part of why they're favored because they're just absolutely tearing everybody apart. But to me, the Vikings are just one of those teams. I'm taking the money line here. They're just one of those teams that they fought through so much adversity this year. I don't see it changing. You know, I mean, they might lose. Who knows? I could. I see this going both ways. I'm just feeling more confident in the Vikings. Like I said, they've battled this adversity, you know, all year long, and they found a way to win. A lot of games. The Lions have been getting better about that, but for the past two, three years now, they just haven't been able to close out those one-score games. So I don't think it. I don't think it changes. I think the Vikings walk away with the dub on this one. Another big interdivision matchup: Eagles versus Giants. Um, Giants, you know, fresh off that tie with the Commanders, moral victory maybe in some sense, but not really. You know, the Eagles obviously just came off a big win against the Titans. They're cruising, only one loss, still just absolutely dominating. I think the Eagles will probably come out on top of this one, but I really like the over at 45.5. That seems like a lot of points almost, but it also doesn't. I feel like the Giants can at least get 20, and I can, I'm can i expecting the Eagles to at least get 28. So I, I think that hits easy, and you know I'm feeling very confident in the Eagles right now to put up a ton of points. I'll probably do an A.J. Brown anytime touchdown. I'll probably do a fucking Devontae Smith one. I don't know. I just am feeling a lot more confident in the Eagles, but I do, I do, I could see the Giants, you know, 
Dable, he's a good coach, and you know he's been proving himself all year. I could see him having the boys coming out fired and inspired, inspired and fired up. That sounds a lot better. But like the over here, so if I was you, I'd take the over, 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 over points, over points, over points, 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 over. Take the over, take the points, Eagles, Giants. Let's do it. Okay, we'll write it together. And if you know, if you say that you're doing it, then maybe I'll do it, and then we'll all do it, and then everyone's gonna do it. And we're all gonna bet the over, and I'm gonna post this clip, and then it's all gonna be a done deal, right? Yeah, let's do it. Over 45 and a half, Eagles versus the Giants. Fourth game brings me some interest. Bucks 49ers. You know, when I was originally doing my show prep, I kind of I was doing it more earlier Wednesday morning and just kind of looking at the games. I was more interested in this one for the chance that Baker Mayfield might start in this situation if the 49ers picked them up. Looks like they're going to have to rock with Brock Purdy. So I'd, I was going to go 49ers minus 3.5 if they picked up Baker, but now without having Baker, I feel like we're still going to get some more Tom Brady magic that he's had this year. Somehow they're going to get the job done. I'm probably going to go Bucks plus 3.5, or should I do money line? You tell me. If you listen to the podcast, hit me up. What do you think? Bucks plus three and a half or Bucks money line? That's a that's a tough question, but I could see the 49ers still winning. Yeah, you know what? 49ers minus three and a half. That's the pick. Who am I kidding? The 49ers are gonna win. Tom Brady's gonna look like ass. We're all gonna say he should retire, and then the next week he's gonna do another game winning drive. That's just what's gonna happen. You have to learn to deal with it. Dolphins Chargers Sunday night game. You know, battle Justin Herbert to a take up by Aloha, both from the 2020 draft class. You know. I more want to talk about this game because I kind of came to a realization myself. I'm sure many people have had this realization. You know, when Phillip Rivers was playing for the Chargers, he had to get through Peyton Manning with the Colts, Tom Brady with the Patriots, Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers. And, you know, the Chargers always had really talented teams. People always got hurt. Injuries never went their way. Just always something, always something. I feel like the same is going to happen to Justin Herbert. And you think about where the AFC is right now. You have Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Those three play for the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills. I think those are the three best teams in the AFC moving forward for probably the next at least five years. I don't see Justin Herbert having the same kind of luck, you know, and I same goes for Tua and Lamar and all these other young quarterbacks in the AFC. They're going to have to have a lot of luck, a really good team, play their best ball to get past some of these teams that are going to probably have a stronghold over the AFC for the next couple of years. But I think we're just going to see Justin Herbert having the same exact career as Phillip Rivers. And it's sad to see because the kid's got a hell of an arm on him, but – that's just the future for Justin Herbert, and I'm sorry. But when we come when it comes to this Dolphins Chargers game, I still have a gambling pick over 51 and a half. Let's do it right there. Tons of points. I like it. So let me take a drink of my water here, and then I'll uh, talk to you about a little bit about these details about my college basketball preview. So a little college basketball preview, you know, kind of. I did some digging, you know, around the internet, kind of seeing what. Other people were saying coming into the season, you know, doing my own research, get my own vibes, stuff like that. Kind of basing it off of where how teams have played so far this year, you know. So I'm gonna hit the big conferences, um, all the big ones. You know, there's five. I'm doing the five teams I think really have a chance to win the conference and make some noise in the playoffs or the March Madness. Excuse me. The only one that doesn't is the Pac-12. I only did three teams on there because the rest of the conference is pretty bad. And then uh, just a couple mid-major programs, you know, the big ones obviously to talk about. And then just the other ones I want you to watch out for and pay attention to because they have some talent there on their team and they can make a run come March time. But starting off, ACC, Virginia, Tony Bennett has himself a squad, man. They're undefeated right now, ranked third in the country. 
tons of talent on the team. You know, this is probably one of the best teams he's had offensively. They're really high up in the Ken Palm rankings. That's another thing I'll mention right now. I'll mention the Ken Palm rankings a lot. Go check them out. They're a good ranking system. I mean, even bracketologists use them. The Ken Palm rankings are very legit and real for what college basketball is. And Ken Pomeroy, the guy that did it, unbelievable job. But Virginia's really good offensively this year. Like I said, their defense is still pretty good, but it's not as good as it was in years past. I still think Virginia obviously can make a run. Tony Bennett has proved that he's one of the top 10 coaches in college basketball. I mean, he won a national championship not that long ago. Don't be surprised if he leads the Cavaliers to do it again. Next up in the ACC, Duke, first season under John Shire. Loaded, loaded recruiting class coming in. You know, a lot of speculation. Is John going to be a good coach? Is he going to be able to get the job done? We'll see moving forward. I, I don't hate the guy, even though I'm a North Carolina basketball fan. I don't hate the guy that much. But, you know, the biggest thing for Duke is going to be the play of Jeremy Roach. You know, having a veteran point guard paired with a bunch of young kids is very important. You know, that's been a, a mainstay of many teams that have won uh, a national championship is having very seasoned and experienced guard play, especially at the point guard position. So definitely works in Duke's favor this year, you know, especially with that first year under John Shire. So they should find a lot of success, but they'll probably find a way to screw it all up again, just like they did last year. Derek Lively is another kid to watch on their team. Big young center, possible top five pick in this next year's draft. The kid's got a ton of talent. If you talk about Duke, you have to talk about North Carolina, the best fucking college basketball program that there ever has been and ever will be. They're still my pick. I still have my feature down on them to win a national championship. I'm not going to change. And if I could tell you one thing right now, take a feature on North Carolina to win a national championship. They're going to figure out. And I mean, they've had some struggles early. They've already lost some games. They're out of the top 25 after being ranked number one. Things aren't looking up. But this team was like that all the time in the regular season and just flipped the switch and turned it up and turned it on right down the stretch. So, I don't expect anything else to change. I mean, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, those four coming back, it's already such a strong base. Things are going to be okay for North Carolina. They're figured out they're going to win a national fucking title. I'll tell you right now, buddy. I'll tell you that right now. North Carolina will win a national title. Promise it. I am willing. What should I do? What should I bet? 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 I will tattoo the North Carolina logo on myself if North Carolina wins a national championship. Okay? There you go. Virginia Tech, another team that's looking good in the ACC this year, you know. Didn't have a lot of hype coming into this year. Obviously, last year they were fresh off of uh, – they won the ACC championship last year. They beat Duke to get it. You know, they're obviously a good basketball program. They kind of took that foundation that they had last year, and they just ran with it, you know. And right now they're ranked top 20 in both – Offensive rating and defensive rating in the Ken Palmer ratings. So they're good. Virginia Tech's very good, and I think they're going to be a team to watch out for. You know, they're going to kind of fly under the radar, I bet, but they'll make some noise when it come, once March comes back around. Miami, you know, good program. They're probably going to make the tournament. You know, what this team is based off of is uh, guard Isaiah Wong. Leads the team in points, leads the team in assists. I mean, he's he's their offense, basically. He's, 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 he's a kid you're going to want to watch out for. Pay close attention to Miami because I could see them, you know, being one of those teams that makes it to the Sweet 16 come March time. So definitely watch out for Miami this year. Moving on to the Big 12. Kansas is obviously the reigning champs as they are. Still, they brought back, you know, they didn't bring back a ton of guys, but they were able to plug and play with a lot of guys. You know, Kevin McCuller transferred in from Texas Tech. 
He's part of that team the past couple of years. The guy's an absolute stud at the guard position, an amazing defender. You know, you throw in him with Jalen Wilson, who's averaging 20 points a game right now, balling out. You know, they got Grady Dick on the outside, a fucking white boy shooting threes, knocking them down. And then, you know, they're primed with DeJuan Harris at point guard, a veteran leader who's done it before, who's, you know, he's leading the team right now in assists and steals, I believe, as well. Playing great basketball, Kansas should be in that conversation again to go out and win a national championship this year because they're looking really, really tough. Texas, the Longhorns, Chris Beard, you know he he's there for year two. He's brought in a ton of brought in a ton of talent. The team, you know, they were ranked second up until they lost this week against Illinois. They'll probably fall a little bit, not much, I bet, but still a really good team. Still really good on defense, you know, and offense. They're top 15 in both those categories in the Ken Palm ratings. Rankings. Is it ratings or rankings? I don't remember. But the hiccups are back. Son of a bitch. But ton of talent on that Texas team. Like I said, top 15 offensive offense and defensively. So definitely a team to watch out for. Definitely is probably going to make a run come March time, you know. Like I said, tons of talent. Tons of talent. Baylor, I mean, you can always count on Scott Drew to put together a good team. He's been doing it for like the past 10 years now. Nothing has changed, you know. Baylor this year has got three unbelievable guards in LJ Cryer, Adam Flager, and Keontae George. I mean, all three are averaging double digits right now. They're all going to be counting on down the stretch of the season. So expect Baylor to be another team that's in that conversation for a one, two, or three seed, you know. Tons of talent. Scott Drew, a phenomenal coach. Baylor's just been a phenomenal program the past couple of years especially, but watch out for Baylor. Texas Tech, love the fucking Red Raiders, and I love Kevin O'Banner, man. If you don't know who Kevin O'Banner is, he transferred there last year, was a huge part of the team's success, um, but he was originally at Oral Roberts during the COVID year, and he had a ton of success there. Obviously, got him to be able to transfer because of how well he played right now. He's leading the team in points and rebounds. He's going to really carry this Texas team this year. But that being said, Texas Tech is just really good defensively. They have always been a very, very good team defensively. The only thing that hurt them last year from really making the Final Four, in my opinion, is the lack of offense that they sometimes have. They they had a low Ken Palm ranking last year, and they're kind of in the same situation this year. So th- their defense, though, is what carries them. Last team in the Big 12 has to be TCU. Mike Miles, probably a first-round pick in my opinion. The guy can just score at will. He's one of those guys that you, once you know he has the ball in his hands, he's going to find a way to put points up, help help his teammates score. He's averaging 20 points a game right now. He's he's going to carry TCU to the, to the tournament, but I don't think they'll get much further than that. But definitely a team to watch out for. You know, if he gets lucky and gets hot one game and somebody else does, who knows what they could do. So TCU is definitely a team to watch out for. Moving on to the Big East, UConn is hot in the streets right now. Top 10, both offensively and defensively in the Kempom rankings. Big part of that is Adam Sanago, I think is how you say his name. Big seven-footer. He's averaging 18 points right now. He's got seven boards a game, cleaning up the glass, doing what he has to to score. Big reason why they're top 10 offensively and defensively. Watch out for UConn. I think this Adam Sanago Sanago kid is going to fucking tear it up this year and have a really solid season for the Huskies. Creighton, the Blue Jays, you know, had some success last year, made a good run in the tournament. 
built off that success. You know, Greg McDermott's done a hell of a job building a very solid program here at Creighton. I know they just got upset earlier this week or the week before, but still a fun team to watch, still a tough team to beat. So I think they'll still get far once March comes around. Xavier, another team. I'm, I'm looking here at my notes for the Big East, and I realize I should have just stuck to two or three teams here because Xavier, Villanova, Providence, those are the three others I was going to talk about. Villanova, down year, kind of a look, it's looking like without Jay Wright. Providence, Ed Cooley, you know, had an amazing year last year. Kind of wants to build off that, and I think they will, especially with a guy like Bryce Hopkins. He's been balling out for them, transferred in from Kentucky. He's a kid to watch. But moving back to Xavier, you know, just kind of wrapping the Big East up here. They're smooth on offense. I mean, they're 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 a top ten team offensively. Their defense is where they struggle. So if they can, if they're having a bad night shooting, they're gonna end up losing more than likely. So, but that's the Big East. It's pretty much UConn and Creighton this year, for, as of right now. Who to watch out for? I mean, those other three, I think they could pop up at any time. Moving on to the Big Ten. Sorry, guys. My mouth is just parched. I just gotta drink some of this water. As, as water, it's got one of those little Mio squirts in it, a little raspberry lemonade, dude. It's fucking delicious. A couple cubes of ice, fucking ice cold water. Send me the fuck up. I love water. But moving on, Big Ten here. Talking a little bit of Purdue. Obviously, you know, top five in the country right now. I believe they're the fifth. They're ranked at five. Zach Eady, big man in the middle. It's been a mainstay of Matt Painter's time at Purdue. You know, he's always got this big old boy just in the middle, you know. The biggest thing about Matt Painter is he hasn't ever been able to get the job done. He's never made the Final Four, and he's been there 10-plus years now, and he's had some incredible teams. It's just going to come down to what can they get the job done. You know, they're the best team offensively in the country right now, according to Ken Palm. So uh, Purdue, I think, can get the job done this year. I, I'm i feeling a lot more confident in them for some reason. I I just I, I really like Zach Eady. I think the kid's a baller. I think he, he puts in work down low. So I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue finally breaks through this year. The Terps of Maryland, um, super balanced on offense. Dude, they have four guys averaging double digits right now. They're able to spread the wealth around, make sure everyone gets involved, and find a way to you know not have one guy be there, be with all they rely on. Really like the Terps this year. They're going to be a fun team to watch. I think they might even make a deep run into March. So watch out for the Terps, just because, like I said, the, the four guys, you know, being able to have that much flexibility to score the basketball is so key at the college level, especially when, you know, guys haven't necessarily always, aren't necessarily honed in on their craft yet, you know, still developing as a shooter or as a scorer. So it, it's, it's big and it's a key, I think, to what's going to make Maryland really good this year. Indiana, by far the biggest news for them, you know, Trace, Tracy Jackson Davis is returning for his senior year. I mean, he has them highly ranked to start out the year, and, you know, he's a big reason their offense is clicking. He's a big reason their defense is going. Bringing this team back to relevance. He's going to have his name in there for basketball player or player of the year. So check in out check out Indiana if you get the chance and watch watch Tracy Jackson Davis play. Illinois, you know, lost Kofi Coburn, lost Andre Carbello. There was another guy, but they brought in two guys, Terrence Shannon Jr. He played at Texas Tech the past three years. Guy's an absolute grinder. He's leading the team in scoring right now. And they also brought in Matthew Mayer from Baylor, part of that national championship team, part of the team last year. Guy's a grinder. Guys, he gets down there and he works his ass off for rebounds. He's, he's very good defensively. I think those two guys right there are going to be a big key to Illinois' success. I mean, they're a big key in Illinois' upset in Texas this week. So 
watch out for Illinois to shoot up in the top 10 this week and watch out for them all year long. You know, I kind of struggled to find a fifth team that I thought really had a chance to make some noise this year. I settled on Iowa, mostly for Chris Murray. Um, his brother, Keegan Murray, was the star of the offense the year before. You know, he was the top five pick this last year. The year before that, it was Luca Garza. The year before that, it was also Luca Garza. Kind of a mainstay of Iowa is to have that one guy down that's, uh, you know, that plays the power forward or center position and can score almost at will. That's exactly what Chris Murray's doing. He's averaging like 19.1 points per game right now and 8.9 rebounds. Carrying the Hawkeyes, I expect him to get them into the tournament, possibly even make some noise. You know, he's he's just he plays just like his brother. He just didn't have the chance because, like I said, Iowa seems to always be more based around one guy being a little bit more ISO ball than it is, you know, team ball. Moving on to the Pac-12, as I had already said, only got three teams to talk about here: UCLA, Mick Cronin. You know, he's got a chance to really do something special again this year with UCLA. Tiger Campbell. Hami Hawkes coming back. I mean, those guys have, were there on the Final Four team. Those guys were on the team last year. Absolutely balled out last year. I'm expecting the exact same thing from UCLA this year. Got some new faces, got some new guys. But having those two key pieces back, huge advantage for the Bruins. And I think it's going to carry them very far into March. Arizona, front court for the Wildcats is absolutely stacked right now. Azulis Tobias, I believe is how you say his name. I'm not sure in... Omar Balo, I believe, are both averaging 20 and 19 and 8 and 9, respectively. The backcourt, or the front court, excuse me, is just absolutely dominating, dominating for the Wildcats. I, wanted to, I haven't seen these guys play yet. I'm going to try to check out Arizona game soon because I just want to see these two guys go to work and see how effective they are for Arizona. But that's, you know, it's a pretty important, those are two pretty important positions. You know, you either have to have extreme, extremely good guard play or an extremely good front court. And Arizona has that. The last team here, like I said earlier, you know, the Pac-12 is struggling. I don't see it as a you know, really good conference this year. Settled on Oregon mostly for the fact they got an absolute stud in Will Richardson. This kid can score. You know, he, he passes the ball. He plays defense very well. So I, I really like I really like him. I think he can possibly be a first-round pick this year. So that's the only reason I'm talking about Oregon because I could see him, you know, sparking this team and getting this team make a run late in March, you know, or the Pac-12 title. But that's the Pac-12. Moving over to the SEC, <clears throat> Auburn, Jamari Smith, you know, he's gone. Not a problem. Bruce Pearl has an absolute stellar team again this year. They're absolutely rocking. They're, I can't remember if it was their offense or defensive rating. One of them is extremely high. Very good team. Going to be in the conversation all year long once again. The Razorbacks of Arkansas, brother. Eric Musselman, in my opinion, is one of the best collegiate coaches there is. He, the guy knows basketball. He knows how to recruit. He brought in Nick Smith, a, a stellar freshman who you know, a lot of their success, I think, can play off of him. But like I said, Musselman, he's been able to build a really good team, a really good program at Arkansas the past couple of years. So I really like the future of that team. And I think you know they can make another Sweet 16, possibly even Elite 8 run this year. You know, sticking with coaches that are at the top of their profession right now, Nate Oates at Alabama, you know, they just upset North Carolina. Um not that long ago, I think it was a week or two ago, possibly. Really good team, you know. Nate Oates, he's he's always had a really good basketball team, really good programs. It doesn't seem to change this year. He's got an absolute stud in Brandon Miller. This kid's averaging 19 points and nine boards, just absolutely dominant basketball. Don't see that changing. I think he's going to keep it up. So watch out for Alabama. They're another team. The SEC is actually pretty loaded this year. You, you know, moving to the Vols, Tennessee, man, they're. 
They're ranked seventh in the country right now, but I just can't help shake the feeling. You know, they're gonna have a classic Rick Barnes meltdown again. Just that's just Tennessee's luck. They're, I just they're gonna melt down. I know they are. Good team, tons of talent on the team, but Rick Barnes he just always seems to melt when the when the spotlight matters the most. Last team in the SEC, obviously the Kentucky Wildcats. You know, biggest thing for them, Oscar Shibwe coming back. I really, I mean, he won the AP Player of the Year last year. Having a guy like that come back for one more year, his senior year, wanting to get the job done, especially after an embarrassing loss to St. Peter's in the first round of, the, of March Madness. So I expect Kentucky to be in that conversation all year, and I don't, I don't think that they'll have that kind of slip up again this year. I think they're going to be a little bit more focused, especially with a guy like Oscar Shibwe coming back, you know, and kind of wanting to get that revenge and kind of prove and go win a national championship, you know. So we'll see. I think Kentucky will definitely be a team to watch out for. One last drink of water before I hit my five favorite mid-major programs this year. Only got five of them. Obviously, one of them has to be Gonzaga, the Zags. Mark Few, of course, still has himself a team. I don't think this team is as good as the teams of the past two years, but you know, with a guy like Drew Timmy still on your team, anything is possible. So, you know, Gonzaga, I bet they're in the Sweet 16 this year. They're just they're a good team. They they have talent. They have tons of talent. You know, once they get into comp, more conference play, they'll probably roll through that, get a lot more confidence on themselves and the team as a whole and be right back in the conversation for a one, two, or three seed. So Houston, currently the number one team in the country. This team is awesome on offense. This team is awesome on defense. This team is just fucking the bees fucking knees. I love Houston. They've been putting together a really good team the past couple of years. I'm trying to think of the coach's name, but I'm fucking drawing a blank. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. We're just, we're just going to search it because who cares? This isn't live. This isn't on air. I don't know how to edit this part out, but that's okay. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. I'm trying to think about who the basketball coach is here. I know his face. I know his name. I just don't know it. Kev, Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson. It's his ninth season here. So, you know, he's built quite the program here at Houston. I really love Marcus Sasser. You know, their offense kind of runs off him. He's been very pivotal and influential on the team the past couple of years. Hasn't changed this year. Team runs through him, basically. And he's, you know, like I said, this team is good offensively, but on defense they are they are very good as well. Oral Robert, Oral Roberts talked about him a little bit ago with Kevin O'Banner being there. When he was there, he was playing alongside Max Abmus. Carries Oral Roberts, man. One of the better players in the country. Obviously didn't transfer out. He's a point guard. He runs that team. Scores like a motherfucker, dude. So watch out for Oral Roberts. I could see them making some noise again once uh, March Madness rolls around. San Diego State, you know, one of the better teams defensively. Their only team ranked in the Mountain West Conference right now. Mountain West Conference has put together quite a few good teams these past couple of years. It's still one of the tougher conferences in college basketball, in my opinion. So watch out for them. You know, defense is huge. It's been a mainstay of this team for the past couple of years, like I said. So, I, you know, I could see them making a run. I could see them making a run for sure. Last team here, last note about my college basketball preview, even though we're a couple weeks in the season now, UAB. One reason, one reason only, Jelly Walker. The guy's unreal. The guy can score like a motherfucker. The guy can just score, score, score. Jelly Walker's a stud. UAB, he's going to carry that team. You know, they're probably going to make the tournament. I hope, I hope that they win a game or two. But if they do anything, it's because of Jelly Walker, you know. So 
But that's today's show. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Send to a friend of yours or a family member of yours that loves college basketball. Tell them to check this out and tell me if I did a good, good enough job previewing your college basketball season for you. But like I said, that's today's show. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Have a great weekend. I love you. Of course I love you. But for now, your boy with the hiccups, Riley Brakefield, a.k.a. Titties, is out. Just kidding. Your boy Titties is out. That's how we end the show, just so you know. I'm going to say it one more time. Your boy Titties is out.